I'd like to greet you once again in the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I'd like to share with you upon the subject of how victory has been already given to you. Victory has been given to you. You know, in the scripture, we read about the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt and the iron hand of Pharaoh under the leadership of Moses. And then Moses is replaced in leadership by Joshua, who then takes the children of Israel from the desert into the promised land. And both Moses and Joshua represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Pharaoh represents the enemy of our souls, Satan himself. Egypt represents the kingdom of darkness. And of course, the promised land represents heaven and the kingdom of God and all the blessings of God for us. And I'd like to show you from the story of Joshua today, how the children of Israel entered into those promises and entered into the promised land. And it was through the finished work that God did for them. In other words, God gave them the victory. It wasn't that they tried to get victory. It was a done deal. It was something handed to them, not by their own strength, but by the strength of the Lord, not because of their own goodness, because of the goodness of the Lord. And so too, with each of us today, with Joshua representing the Lord Jesus Christ and his work to deliver us out of the kingdom of darkness and take us in to all the blessings of the kingdom of God, so too today, Jesus literally gives us the victory that he already has won and we now need now to appropriate that by faith it's not that we're trying to win something something has been won and now we need to be in the right place uh, to receive that grace to receive that incredible favor that god has for our lives and literally it's when you rest in his work rather than work yourself it's when you trust in him rather than trust in yourself when it's when you look to him and his righteousness rather than your own righteousness it's that moment when his victory becomes your victory you see it's not a case of stressing or struggling it's actually a case of resting and receiving now you'll remember that when Joshua goes into the promised land the first uh, obstacle that they come against is a city called Jericho. Now Jericho was a fortress or a stronghold and it had high walls and was in the middle of the road to Canaan. Thus, it prevented Israel from entering into its inheritance. And the Israelites desired to possess this land that they had been promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. But the enemy was blocking the way. And it, they knew it would take a miracle victory to get past that city. But a miracle victory is exactly what they got, and I believe exactly what you will get as well. So the same is true for us. The enemy always builds strongholds to resist the advancement of the children of God. But the good news is that the Lord has guaranteed us the victory and guaranteed us the possession of our inheritance. And I want to pick a few points uh, from this story of how the children of Israel conquered Jericho that I believe are relevant to our own walk of faith. And so let's listen to what, uh, what the scripture says in Joshua chapter 6, uh, verse 1 and 2, uh, to Joshua and the children of Israel. I believe that is God speaking to us today. Verse 1 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. No, none went out and none came in 
And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Wow. Here the Lord is saying to Joshua and to the children of Israel, Look, I'm giving you the city. I've given it into your hand. From my hand, it's coming into your hand. What I have done with my hand, I'm placing into your hand. And so, too, the same with us. And so the first two words that I want us to focus on is this expression, shut up, securely shut up. Jericho was shut up. Why? Because of the children of Israel. Hallelujah. And this means that the powers of hell or the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places, as Paul describes them, uh, have been shut up just as this enemy of Israel was shut up in the city because of the children of Israel. So too today, the spiritual forces of darkness have been shut up by the work of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary. In fact, Jesus talks about in Matthew 12 and 29 how the strong man has been bound or shut up or tied up. Literally, because of his work, the enemy has been disarmed. Okay, hallelujah. And so God said to Joshua in verse 2, I've handed over Jericho, its king, and its mighty men. So, of course, Jericho, the city, the king, the powerful one, the mighty men, those around, those talk of the enemies. And so, too, in a sense, these obstacles face us every day. Things that are against us, things that are oppressing us, things that tell us constantly that we're never going to make it or never get through. But I'm here to tell you that the Lord has already defeated them. You see, it seemed as though Jericho could never be conquered. Its walls were insurmountable, but the Lord had already delivered it. Uh, the circumstances or your circumstances may seem hopeless, but God has already released a word of victory to you. The victory has been given. See, Jericho symbolizes everything that you want to achieve, conquests that have yet to come your way. It could be the restoration of your marriage, maybe the cure to an illness, release from oppression or financial freedom. The Lord says that we need to look and see that these things have already been accomplished. It's interesting here that the verb that the Bible uses is in the past tense. I have already given you Jericho. I have given Jericho into your hands as if it's already done because actually in the spirit realm, it is already done. It's already been achieved 2,000 years ago. What happened there at Calvary and through the, the resurrection of the Lord has already sealed and guaranteed the victory for whoever believes. Hallelujah. And this is the word of certainty that the Lord gives us to give us peace and to give us faith. Every fortress in our lives shall be destroyed. Amen. Now, the second thing, if you remember this story that I want to point out to you, is the fact that the priests blew the trumpets as they walked around the city. In uh, the following verses, the scripture goes on to say that you shall march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go all around the city once, and this you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets. Notice the number seven there. Uh, seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. So after this, the Lord tells Joshua to do something specific. And remember, nothing's in the Bible just uh, by chance. Everything has a meaning and a purpose, and everything points 
to Christ. So they were to walk around the, or march around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day. And during these marches, they had to do something particular. Seven priests were to blow seven trumpets of ram's horns. Hallelujah. Now, ram's horns actually in the old Hebrew word are called shofars. And maybe you've seen one of those today, one of those great uh, horns that are slightly curly. Okay, and they could be blown to make this terrific sound. But they represent something. They're not just trumpets. You see, the ram points to Christ. In fact, he is the lamb who was slain. But to get the horn from the ram, the ram must be killed first, obviously. And thus the ram's horn or the trumpet, when blown, what it does is it points to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a sense, the trumpet sound is announcing his death, declaring his death. And so in scripture also, the horn symbolizes power. And there's great power released when we announce the Lord's death. Hallelujah. You see, blowing the trumpet means declaring to the enemy who Christ is and what he has done. That is to proclaim the Lord's complete victory over all the powers of darkness. The trumpets declare everything that the Lord has achieved for us on the cross of Calvary. And remember there, Jesus took upon himself our death, our sicknesses, our curses, our rejection. Everything was placed upon him so that all those curses be removed and that the blessings of heaven now be placed upon us. Favor to come into our lives. Hallelujah. Colossians 2 and 15 says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You see, again, that's past tense. He has, he has already disarmed principalities and powers in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Now, notice the walls did not fall because the trumpets were blown only once. It actually took seven days. And the number seven is the number of God's fullness or his completeness. It tells us that uh, the, the, the work was complete. And the implication is that we need to proclaim the Lord's death, as the scripture says. Proclaim the Lord's death and his resurrection again and again and again until the wall falls. Hallelujah. And so too with your situation. If you're facing uh, insurmountable wall, a problem, a challenge, things that people say are absolutely impossible. Remember this, keep proclaiming the Lord's death and resurrection. One of the ways we do that is by taking Holy Communion. We proclaim the Lord's death by doing that. I believe healing power is released. Scripture talks about how healing power is released, that we don't die before our time as we take that communion and we proclaim the Lord's death. Hallelujah. And by proclaiming his death, that he has died for us, we proclaim actually that his life now lives inside of us as well. As you do that, sometimes more than once, again and again, until your breakthrough comes, until the wall falls. You see, you've got to keep proclaiming until you see the result. Remember too, that the shofar has no power in itself. It's just a symbol. And so we don't need now in the New Testament to go back to the shadows of the Old Testament. Now we have the substance, the reality in Christ Jesus. The shofar points uh, to Christ. It points to his death. Hallelujah. It's a trumpet that announces that. So you don't actually need to have 
a chauffeur in your house or in your church service to release this power. But what you do need to do is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't get into religious superstition. Chauffeurs are symbols of gospel preaching believers. Amen. If you have one, hallelujah. But you don't need one. Amen. Now, the third thing to notice is that the children of Israel, they kept the ark in the center of the procession. And this is really vital too, okay? The scripture said that seven priests bear, bore seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And so effectively what you had is that you had the, the army and the priests going up front, then the ark, and then behind them the the rest of the children of Israel. The ark was right in the center. So this is the third thing that's absolutely vital. You see, Jesus is represented by the ark. He's the one who sits on the mercy seat of the ark, so to speak. Okay. And when the people of Israel surrounded Jericho, the priests with the trumpets went ahead of the ark, along with the, as I said, the army. And that meant that the ark was right in the center. And here's the, the principle. When we put Christ in the center, and we blow that trumpet, uh, then the wall will surely fall. It's all about putting Christ in the right place. It's all about you yourself being in the place of grace, being in the place where Christ is centralized, okay? Where you're resting in him. Let me help you here a little bit. I know that sometimes as preachers, we're constantly telling people, you gotta do this and you gotta do that to get blessed. But actually, we're not putting Christ in the center there. We're putting ourselves in the center. We're saying it's all about what we do. It's all about how good we are. It's all about how uh, we respond. It's all about us loving God and then maybe uh, he will bless us in return. But really that's all about us. You don't need Jesus in that picture. Christ is not in the center. As soon as you put Christ in the center and start focusing on what he has done for us, start lifting up his game and name and preaching uh, what he has done 2,000 years ago. What you're doing is you're putting Christ in the center and that releases the power from heaven to bring down the walls in your life. It's no good pointing your finger at believers and saying you got to love God more or you got to be holier or you got to pay the price or you got to give more. No, that's not putting Christ at the center. That's putting the person at the center. What you need to be doing is saying, look how holy Jesus is. Look how glorious he is. Look what the price he paid. Look how much he loves you. Hallelujah. And then all the glory goes to him. And as people look at him and centralize him, indeed, that releases the power of God. See, really, the people of Israel didn't have to do anything. They just needed to believe. They just needed to follow the Lord's instructions and exalt Christ by carrying the ark. In the spiritual battle, the first thing we need to do is put Christ in the center and exalt him. Hallelujah. Lift him up as they lifted up that ark. You see, if you think about it with me, God could have destroyed the city walls in an instant, yet he chose to do so with his people's participation and cooperation. And this shows us that the Lord wants us to learn from him in the process. Without him, we can't do anything, but he wants to do things with us and through us. Hallelujah. And so let's think again, the fourth thing here, and I've got five quick things, but the fourth thing is to listen to the trumpet before you shout. And we're kind of rolling ahead in the story here. But you'll notice that in verse 10, the scripture says, Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, 
nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout, hallelujah. And we know that when they did that, the walls came tumbling down. You see, the Lord commanded all the people to remain silent whilst the trumpet sounded. There was a time to be quiet. There was a time not to talk, time not to sing, not, time not to shout. Literally, just to listen to the trumpet. So here's the principle. When the trumpets were sounding, the people needed to listen. And the principle is that we must listen before we speak. We must first understand what the trumpets are declaring. We need first to receive everything that the trumpets proclaim about Christ and his victorious work over the enemy. Okay? The people needed to listen for six days. And only on the seventh were they to shout. They needed to absorb it. They needed to listen to it. They needed to meditate upon it. They needed to hear that preached word until it became part of them. If you think about it, if they had shouted before then, then probably nothing would have happened. The walls wouldn't have come down. You see, there are preachers who make a lot of noise, but nothing really happens as a result. I like to say lots of rattle and no revival. Because sometimes people are shouting before they're listening. Huh? We need to listen. Actually, six days of listening before it's our time to shout. There are times, you see, when we play the trumpet, but there are other times when we must listen to it. In other words, we need to hear the preaching of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 8, Paul said, For if the trump trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? And that's sadly really what's happening with lots of gospel preaching. It's an uncertain sound. It doesn't show you the finished work. It doesn't exalt Christ. It constantly says that we need to do something extra. That's an uncertain sound. So we can never win the victory by following that kind of teaching. But when you hear of Christ's complete victory over death and the grave, over the enemy, over sickness and disease, hallelujah, that's a clear trumpet sound. That puts faith in your heart to make you respond in the right way. If you want your Jericho to fall, it's very important to hear the sound of the trumpet. And it's very important to let the message come to life within your heart first. Get it burning before you speak. Hallelujah. And that happens when we are listening. You see, the way that God releases his blessings actually is through preaching. Mm. Hallelujah. You see, why is that? Well, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, faith comes by listening to preaching. Yes, listening to preaching. Listening right now is generating faith in your heart. Hebrews 11.30 clearly says that by faith the walls of Jericho fell. The shout that the people released was actually a shout of faith. You see, Jericho is a symbol of the world. And as the scripture says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Hallelujah. Faith in the finished work. Faith in the grace of God. Faith in the favor. Faith in the power of Jesus Christ. Remember that this faith does not come to us from within, so to speak. Okay, It comes when we're listening to preaching and therefore meditating upon the finished work of Calvary. The trumpet is preaching to us. Hallelujah. And we tend to think that God speaks to us directly and that's what produces faith in our hearts. And I'm obviously not going to disagree with that. The Lord does speak to us directly. But Paul's reasoning here in Romans 10 shows us that actually faith comes by hearing preaching. 
okay? And we know that because in verse 14, three verses before, he says this, How then shall we call upon him, uh, or how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and listen, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Wow! Seems like preacher is an ugly word in our world today, but actually preachers are the key to revival. Hallelujah. Preachers are the key. Why? Because when you hear the preach word, faith comes alive in your heart. And when faith is alive in your heart, that is the victory that you have over this world. Oh, that God would raise up a generation of great preachers. There are those, you see, who want to get faith by seeking to hear from God on their own. But this actually can produce a kind of spiritual independence. These people think, often think that they don't need, even need to be part of a local church because God speaks to them directly. But the truth is that faith comes when you hear a preacher. So how will they believe if there's no one to preach to them? How can you receive faith if you don't hear preaching? Now obviously, preaching needs to be right preaching. We need to hear the word of Christ. We need to hear the gospel of grace, not of works. If we preach the Old Testament, the law, we won't receive faith, but rather we'll receive condemnation and death because when you hear the law, you realize you haven't kept it and therefore you're unworthy. And if you feel unworthy, you can never have faith to ask God for things. There are people who criticize us at times saying that we only preach about grace, but this is the truth of the gospel. The truth is that it's a finished work, hallelujah, offered to us by grace for free, amen. The only thing we need to do is believe faith alone that saves that delivers that heals that blesses hallelujah you see it's the good news of God's grace that generates faith in our hearts so faith comes by hearing not by having heard yes in other words you've got to hear the message today not yesterday yesterday's hearing and yesterday's faith isn't good enough for today uh, we actually need to hear it constantly and continually. We need to continually hear the preaching of the word. Uh, and I believe that this is why people, the people surrounded the city in silence for six days and just listened. Just listened to the sound of that trumpet. You see, the verb used in Romans 10, 17 that I quoted, that faith comes by hearing, is the continuous present. It means keep listening. Keep listening to the preaching until faith comes alive in your heart. Again, we live in an age and we're deceived by Satan in this, where people want five-minute nuggets, short sermons, or one sermon a week. Wow, no way. I want to eat a steak every day. I want to hear the Word of God preached to me every day because that constantly produces faith in my heart and that gives me victory in all areas of my life. That's the key for me, to hear preaching, to hear preachers, hallelujah, to have one good steak at least every day. Amen. That's a healthy diet if you want to live a, a victorious life. See, there are many Christians who dismiss preaching as a kind of unnecessary, tedious part of the service. However, God attaches great importance to preaching. In 1 Corinthians 1 and, and 21, the scripture says, For since the, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Got to get that message preached. You see, God's way of releasing all of heaven's riches, his blessings, his miracles, salvation, is all through the madness, the foolishness of preaching. Now, to the naturally minded person, God's method seems contemptible, ridiculous. To think that a preacher can stand up 
preach the word, and then the hearers receive God's blessings. Just like that. Hallelujah. Just by sitting and hearing the preaching. No, no, no. To the naturally minded, they want to do great things in order to be blessed. Show how holy they are. Show how good they are. Show how generous they are. No, but God's chosen a foolish way to the natural mind. This is God's chosen method. Remember this, that we're saved by preaching. We just heard it. The foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. Also, we receive the Spirit by preaching. Remember what Paul taught the Galatians in 3 and 2. He said, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? The hearing of faith. That's exactly what happened when Peter went to Cornelius' house and he preached Christ. He preached the finished work to them. And as they were listening, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Hallelujah. We receive salvation by preaching. We receive the Spirit by preaching. And we receive miracles by preaching. Again, Paul continues in Galatians 3.5. Therefore, <clears throat> he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Miracles come, my friend, when you hear preaching about the finished work of Christ. I remember years ago going to a small village in uh, the Philippines and preaching there. I did a three-night crusade in an outdoor area, and I remember preaching. And they hadn't heard that Christ was uh, of, uh, Christ's promises included miracles for today. And I remember preaching. Uh, three nights in a row and and it took me so long I had to preach three nights in a row before I sensed faith was alive in the heart so after the first night people were like wow I didn't know that we were just hanging on until we get to heaven we thought that was all that Christ was offering us heaven in the future but I said no 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 Christ wants to bless you today he's got a long life an abundant life as well as eternal life for you and I preached that And I preached for an hour the first night, and I preached for an hour the second night, and then I preached for an hour the third night. And I remember clearly there was a lady with a goiter there, with a growth on her neck. And on the third night, after hearing so much preaching, suddenly she jumped up and she ran to the front crying out, Lord, heal me. She never even got to me on the platform because the power of God met her right in front in the corridor. She began to spin around like a top, fell on the ground in tears, wailing and sobbing and trembling. But when she got up, that goiter had completely disappeared. Hallelujah. You see, hearing of faith produced that miracle. Hearing of faith released the Holy Spirit into her life. Amen. And so to finalize for today, the fifth thing is this. You got to shout at the walls. Shout at the walls. Okay. I want you to notice that it wasn't the trumpets alone that broke down those walls. It was the shout of the people. See, the people shouted, but not to God, but to the wall. They shouted at the wall, at the problem. And Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three that if someone says to a mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, they will be done. He will have whatever he says. You can see the vocal cords need to be uh, in action. We need to speak. We need to even shout at our mountains and our strongholds at times. And so, again, here in this passage of Scripture, in verse 16 of Joshua 6, and the, the Scripture says, And the seventh time it happened, when the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. You see, the trumpet blast is fundamental. It's this which releases faith. But it's the victory shout that makes the walls 
fall down. When we hear the trumpet, we appropriate the reality of the Lord's victory. So now we have authority flowing in us. But when we shout, that authority flows through us. You see, we don't confess the word or declare the word to make it a reality. But actually, we declare it because we know it's already a reality. The victory has already been given. Christ has already conquered. We're not trying to get him to conquer. It's already happened. We're just agreeing. We're declaring with what has already been done. Hallelujah. And this makes a huge difference. Many are speaking when they should be silent, listening to the trumpet's proclamation. However, if when you hear the word, you allow it to captivate your heart, then you'll find that there is great power inside of you. Great, great power. So first listen, my friends, and then declare, shout. I don't know what your walls are, your Jericho is today. As I said at the beginning, maybe it's a relational issue, a financial issue, a health issue, okay? But these are all represented in this story by the high, insurmountable walls of Jericho. But this I know, when Christ is centered, hallelujah, when you, when you declare the finished work of Christ, when you allow that message to literally come alive inside of you, then the next time you will find that you stand up and you'll find authority inside of you. You'll say enough is enough. I know that this is truth now. I know that this has already been dealt with. And this time you're gonna open your mouth with faith and with boldness. You're gonna shout at those walls and you're gonna see the breakthrough coming that you've always dreamed of. So God bless you and let's practice what you've just heard preached. In Jesus mighty name. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. And we like to finish with an opportunity for people to give their lives to Christ. And if you've never done that before, say these words after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you for a new heart and a new start. Amen. And we believe that you've now been born again. And we encourage you to join a Christ-centered church in your area. God bless you. To acquire more teachings to help you grow in wisdom and grace, check out our website, thegreatmission.org, where you can order paper copies or Kindle versions of inspiring materials, such as, There's a Miracle Coming Your Way. Finally, we would also ask you to consider becoming a partner of TGM, The Great Mission. Through a network of missionary evangelists, we are holding events in Asia, Africa, and South America to get the gospel of grace, word, and action to hundreds of families every month. We hold grace festivals where multitudes of needy people have received food parcels and been transformed by the message of God's goodness and grace. By becoming a monthly partner, you can be part of a worldwide harvest of souls. Thanks for your consideration.